in a world gone mad. Only rationality and common sense can save it. It's Andrew and Jerry Save the World with your hosts, Andrew Langer and Jerry Rogers. And now, here's Andrew and Jerry. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Andrew and Jerry Save the World. This is episode nine. Andrew and Jerry Save Manhood. I'm Andrew Langer. I'm Jerry Rogers. And we're getting we're getting once again uh, Eeyore-ish Jerry today. <laughs> Yes. Um, you know, it, it's, it's something, you know, at some point in time, we need to do an episode, Andrew and Jerry save Eeyore. Um, lots going on. We're going to be joined in, in just a minute, uh, just a, just a minute, just a bit by uh, Guy Shepard. He is the founder of, um, of planned man, Jerry. Is that, is that planned man? Yes, Plan, indeed. Planned man. We're going to have a wide ranging conversation. Uh, Jerry's known guy for some time. I've met guy on a handful of occasions um originally we were going to have him on just to talk about the joe rogan controversy uh but there is so much more and planned man well you know what's interesting andrew is yes he's written about uh guy and the editors have written about joe rogan so goes joe rogan so goes the world but he has a story up just last night the editors at planned man said uh saying uh sorry accepted a no handshake forgiveness for Louis C.K. <laughs> I like that. I like. So we're going to have a good time. Good. Uh, Guy is a defender of functionality over over perfection. Let me just give you a, just a, 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 a pre a, a, a precursor. Uh, Plan man is uh, stated purpose is to solve men's problems at scale, uh, but do it in such a way. Uh, that you get the support of the wives, the sisters, the mothers, and the girlfriends. And so yeah. this is not a men's only site. Uh, it is a it is a way to make men better, uh, and uh, but also a great advocate for uh, for the arts and books and and very interesting politics on this page and cultural uh, cultural uh, insights. Well, and that's and that's important because we we have lost this right. It's really interesting. We'll get into this with Guy when he comes on. But if you think about it, for the longest time, you know, it's funny. I had a conversation yesterday, Monday morning, um, uh, regarding the passing of Ivan Reitman. Had this conversation with oh my John goodness. Justice and Drew, but but about the the uh, the 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 teen sex romp comedies of the eighties, yes. late seventies, into the eighties, into the nineties. Yes, very few of which hold up, by the way. Um, but but talking about sort of this the men's culture and how. Men's culture, especially into the 90s with, with magazines like FHM and Maxim, uh, became, you know, overly sexualized. Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, we're now seeing, I think, a real return across culture in many ways. I mean, obviously, there is this pushback against what the left calls toxic masculinity. Um, but in response to that, which, there is which, by the, which, which, by the way, doesn't exist. I no, mean, no, of course not. You know, it's, what, it's, what they consider toxic masculinity uh, is our bo- boys playing football. Well, right, right, right. It, it gets into what I'm going to get to where you have shows like Jack Reacher or Yellowstone in 1883. And actually, 1883 is really more about women's empowerment than anything else. But uh, but, you know, things that are celebrating manhood and strong men it's funny because you and i had a conversation yesterday jerry we'll get guys take on this um a, a friend of ours the husband of a friend of ours and colleague of ours uh talking on social media about his kid his son being in public school 
and the kids not being allowed to run during gym class. They have to skip. They have to skip, which is insane. But tell you what, before, before we get to that, Jerry, because we got we got a, a, a couple minutes before Guy joins us. We, I we, think we, we have to mention one thing in particular. Please. I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but uh, the, the worst news ever, PJ O'Rourke passed away. Well, tell you what, hold on for one second. We'll get to that in a moment because yeah. I want to go to, we didn't actually announce it last week and I felt bad about it. A couple of folks asked me, but we have to go to our ripped from the headlines segment. Ripped from the headlines. So Jerry, um, yeah, PJ O'Rourke uh, passed away yesterday. And it, it's interesting because you and I had a, a con or he passed away, I guess uh, uh, the other night, but we, we got wind of it yesterday. You and I had had a conversation yesterday about when you knew you were no longer, that you were not a libertarian, <laughs> that you were truly a conservative. Right. And, and it gets down to this. P.J. O'Rourke was writing at a time when I think the lines were much more blurred and even the libertarians were sort of embracing a more realistic view of the world. But, but, but talk a little bit about this. I met P.J. O'Rourke um, on a couple of occasions. Most notably, he and I got to hang out at a, at a Trump event in New Hampshire in 2016 during the primaries, which was an amazing, an amazing evening. But go ahead, Jerry. Yeah, I had the I had the chance to meet uh, PJ O'Rourke on several occasions as well. Uh, and again, reading, you know, re reading his books um, uh, helped shape my political philosophy. Yeah. In fact, in many ways, uh, uh, they were different, but their impact on me was similar. I realized that talk radio could actually be useful. Yes. Uh, uh, the summer of 1988 or 89, I was working a construction job like a good Bronx Irish kid. And, uh, and I'm listening to my, my Walkman and I was listening to the, to the Yankees uh, post-game show or Yankee, you know, uh, the Yankees were not on, but they were having Yankee talk. And I was listening yes. to it. And then it was interrupted uh, by this new program with this guy, Rush Limbaugh. Yes. And I remember listening to Rush Limbaugh and had never heard of him. And I thought to myself, my goodness, yes, if only more people would speak the truth, more people would listen. And then uh, around the same time, I came across uh, uh, Parliament of Whores uh, and, and other books and other writings by P.J. O'Rourke. And it was it was like a one two combination of reality for me, that if you spoke the truth, if you stuck the conservative principles, if you also engaged the culture and had wit and, and humor, oh my goodness, you could, you could persuade uh, and you could uh, tip the scales. You and know, what, what an important voice. And he was only 74. I know that he was uh, struggling. I didn't know. I, I know now he was struggling uh, with lung cancer. And so uh, it, it, it's sad that PJ O'Rourke is, is no longer with us. Yeah, I agree with you, Jerry. And it's interesting because, you know, um, as you talk about the importance of talk radio and what you learned from PJ O'Rourke, I'm reminded of this other story that's out of the headlines, which is this story about the Levi's brand yes. CEO or brand president, um, Jennifer Say, and I and I pulled this up, and I actually I should put my glasses back on because I want to read this because you and I obviously not that I want to uh, uh, talk about you you mess around with your current gig, but one of the things you and I have talked about over the last couple of years, especially in the age of COVID, was the the policing of language uh, about things. Um, and and I want to read this to you, and I want I want you to tell me. Well, listen, I, I know I heard this a number of times. Well, I was still on terrestrial radio, um, but I got this I, here. here. Um, um, 
the, the so she this is two paragraphs from from Jennifer Say's piece on Barry Weiss's Substack. Uh, in the summer of 2020, I finally got the call. Quote, you know, when you speak, you speak on behalf of the company. Our head of corporate communications told me, urging me to pipe down. I responded, my title is not in my Twitter bio. I'm speaking as a public school mom of four kids, end quote. But the calls kept coming from legal, from HR, from a board member, and finally from my boss, the CEO of the company. I explained, now, Jerry, tell me if this if this is not reminiscent of, of moments that you've had and I've had, I explained why I felt so strongly about the issue, citing data on the safety of schools and the harms caused by virtual learning. While they didn't try to muzzle me outright, I was told repeatedly to, quote, think about what I was saying, unquote. Well, again, that that phrase has been uh, said to me across, across a desk. Yeah. Uh, again, early on, look, early on, uh, I was opposed to the extended lockdowns uh, early on. I was opposed to cloth mask mandates uh, early on. I was a proponent of Operation Warp Speed. I wrote about it, talked about it, talked about the uh, medical miracle of the public private sectors coming together uh, to put forward the vaccine. Uh, but, I, but at the same time, yep. uh, opposed to mandates because uh, because of uh, of the novel uh, vaccine, uh, the science is still developing, and and if people again risk risk, someone like me, I'm older, I'm I'm heavyweight, I have uh, other conditions, so therefore getting the vaccine, vaccine versus ventilator, I'll take yes. vaccine at any day. But however, other people, younger people, like we, we know now, zero to twenty nine, your your infection fatality uh, rate is virtually zero. You know, it's it's funny as we say this, as I'm going to police your language now, right? Because we want to make sure this video stays up. So, you know, but, but, uh, and again, that, that's, that's the great irony here. And, and again, we'll talk with uh, Guy Shepard about this. Absolutely. Uh, why, why he wrote about, uh, so goes Joe Rogan, so goes the America. Because the fact is, is that there are things uh, that uh, uh, nine months ago, uh, if you said it, you would be banned, canceled, fired. Uh, but today, it's, it's, we know it's the truth. And so, and this is the thing science shouldn't be dogma. Absolutely. Understand. And when it becomes dogma, it becomes religion and science ought to be questioned, debated oh, uh, and science changes. I, I, I got into it. I, I got into it. And again, and I my apologies to our good friend Cameron Gray, who warned me about this. But you and I both know that every once in a while you get drawn into these. These attacks. I was on. Some, I'm not even going to tell a social you which, media fight. I'm going to even tell you which social media group it was. <laughs> I love it. But I, I, I got into it. Actually, I got into it here because the first part had been a guy had written a lengthy screed in which he claimed to have proven why right wingers were wrong about all of this stuff you've been talking about, Jerry. And and I pushed back on every point that he made and talked about very much that issue of of science and science being an ongoing inquiry, you know, review and analysis and checking, et cetera. Um, and the guy wound up blocking me. And I, I wrote something else and, and a guy brought up an analogy where he tried, he tried comparing the Joe Rogan, Neil Young, Joni Mitchell situation to, and that, that should tell you where I was having this discussion um, to a guy, to people not wanting to loan out their lawnmowers or to give their lawnmowers to a lawn mowing loaner service. And he went down this lengthy screen. And I think what got this person very angry, I said, okay, so what you're saying is 
that if the if if um the lawnmowers are being used to beautify someone's lawn for a gay wedding therefore i have the right to pressure the lawn oh mowing goodness. service to not loan out the lawnmowers right is that what you're is that what you're saying and then the person got very angry with me and, and ended the conversation but again i i i love it how the left often has to go to these metaphors or these uh these wow. extreme uh, positions. The fact like, of the matter is, I like the metaphor because yeah. it didn't really, in the end, it helped me prove my point. But go ahead. Right, but 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 the bottom line is, is that we we should be able to talk plainly. Uh, when you hear a politician, or when you hear a public health official, or an entertainer, I love it how entertainers now, like um, uh, like uh, like uh, Neil Young, are now uh, they're scientists. See, Joe Rogan has on his program experts. Experts yes. of a uh, with of, of true diversity, right to the left. Sure. Diversity uh, depends upon the pigmentation of your skin. Uh, for the rest of us, diversity means a diversity of opinion, diversity of ideas, a diversity of culture, etc. And so, and so, he has a diversity of opinion, diversity of of voices. What is Neil Young? Who is yes. Neil Young? Oh, by the way, Neil Young's back up on Spotify. That's, yes, yes. I was going I mean, so to Neil Young, bury the Neil, lead on this. It's now obvious yeah. that 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 capitalism, all of these, you know, social democrats, really at the at the at the end of the day, they're they are they're all about free enterprise because Neil Young, right, 75 has been. And again, I think his music is is screechingly, yeah, uh, 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 excruciatingly I, annoying. Neil Young's music. I don't, and I never yes. have. But I, and 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 the, the, the bottom line is, is that he did all this not because he cares about the public debate. He did it because people are now listening to Neil Young music. Well, yes. Well, that, and that's and that's the well. I mean, listen. I'm not going to say that that he intentionally sort of invoked the Streisand effect. I think that Neil Young, like a lot of entertainers, is arrogant enough to think that he could flex that kind of power on Spotify and that they would actually jump to it as though he were, let's say Bruce Springsteen um, or, or uh, I don't know. I mean, Robert it, Plant, Robert. Well, okay. But, but, but listen, <laughs> or, 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 or Drake as, as if he's Drake yeah, or, if, or, yeah, or Snoop yeah. Dogg or, or, right. or, you know, the, you know, uh, uh, what's her name of, uh, Mary, Mary J. Mary, Mary, Mary J. Blige. Yes. You know, I love it. How I love it. How all of the um, uh, today's 30 somethings are like, oh, the Super Bowl. It was about us and party. And it was it was so. No, it wasn't. It was about us, Andrew. Yes. Uh, 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 Dr. Dre was in in N.W.A. Right. Yes. Uh, th that that out al their albums came out when we were in high school. Yes. Uh, uh, and and Snoop Dogg. Yes. No, no. It, uh, 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 I won't say it, but um, the NWA's the, first album, F the, the Police. F the Police came out in 1986. No, it didn't. Yes, it did. Yes, no, it, it did. did. Yes, it did. <laughs> 1986. Really? All right. Now yes. I got to fact check this to make Go sure it's not fake it. news, Jerry. 1986. NW, NWA comes out with F the Police. Absolutely. All right. Hold on. All right, here we go. I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm and also at, I'm Snoop Dogg. At... Snoop Dogg's in his fifties. These these are generation 1988, Jerry. 88. Wow. 88. I mean, still, still, but you're still right. I mean, I was in I high don't know. school. Well, when when all right, I, I seem to remember I, I seem to remember arguing over that album as a senior in high school. But you grad and you graduated in 86 or 87? 87. Yeah. Well, I mean, listen, I, you know, no, okay, regardless, 88. Regardless. 
I mean, it's a, it's a, it's, 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 we grew up in the eighties. Listen, we split the difference. I was still in high school in 88. You were not because you're an old man. Uh, (laughs) I am. I I was a freshman. I was a freshman in college, but the, but the bottom line is, is that, um, uh, Neil Young is no Dr. Dre. Well, well, okay. But I, okay. Again, in terms of, of relevance and cultural hold, I would say that Neil Young was right. So 20 years ago, Neil Young was still where Dr. Dre is now. 20 years ago? Because there's a 20 year difference in the span of their career. The year, the year. So the year 2002? Yes. No. Neil Young still had a cultural. Neil, Neil Young hasn't way. been relevant since 1970. Don't, hey, hey, don't forget. Don't forget. Neil Young did release that, that song after 9 11. Um, about uh, about uh, storming the cockpit. Yeah, the the the, uh, the, the let's, song let's that no, roll. the song that no one remembers. No, let's roll. I mean, you know, he released that, but again, but if you think about it, in in you know nineteen, it, you know, in in uh, in nineteen ninety eight, two thousand eight, yeah, two thousand eight. Uh, anyway, not not to sort of get into this. Neil Young, Neil Young still had a cultural relevancy. Well, listen, the bottom line on, the, on, on on my on my dig on the Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, party uh halftime show is that artists look elvis really was you know right El- elvis came of age in the 50s and by the 70s it looked like he was an old man yeah uh, he he wasn't i mean a lot of a lot of those 1970 elvis's performances are, are, are fantastic and his you know um and his you know from memphis album and some other albums were great albums but the but the point is is that i think time and time span and what we think about time is different today where 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 Dr. Dre is fifty six years old. That I know for sure. He's yeah. fifty six, and uh, he he came of age when we were coming of age, and he belongs to us. Not that he was my type of music, but he's our time. But however, if you're a kid who grew up in the late nineties, Dr. Dre was still relevant. If you're a kid today, Dr. Dre, it just shows you that age matters less, and that that artists have the ability to cross over into generation to generation to even generation. By the way, and this gets into a whole post-racial thing. If you think about the demographics that listen to NWA and Dr. Dre and, well, look, and, and, and but Jerry, hip-hop. listen, Jerry, yeah, get, I'm cognizant we gotta, of the time. We've got to bring I our know, guest on. Uh, but so, let's say one, one last thing though. Please. Hip hop is the, right. They said it at the Super Bowl. Hip hop is the number one uh, music form in America today. Yes. And, 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 and African-American males make up 6% of the population. Yeah. So if hip hop is number one, it's because white people, black people, gay people, straight people, tall people, fat people, all people listen to hip hop. And we'll and we will ask Guy Shepard about this as we start our ask the I'm I'm sorry, expert advice segment, expert advice. Well, welcome to our expert advice segment here on episode nine. We're very pleased to be joined by our guest. His name is Guy Shepard. He is the founder of uh, of planned man which is a website it's a it's a cultural website planman.com also a uh, guy the host of under the influence uh tell us about a little bit about uh, about plan man and tell us about under the influence well plan man is a is a site that i launched with my son who's 24 and the basic idea about it is that it, i don't know if you've looked at many of the men's magazines that are out there but i think if you looked at gq or esquire you would actually see um, pretty much uh, clothes that you don't want to wear and articles that don't speak to you. So 
our thinking was that in a nation of 330 million people, half of them guys, that there would be a longing and a, and a, and a hunger for a site that celebrated the idea of men and serviced the idea of men. Not only do we want to kind of write pieces that kind of reconstruct kind of the idea of guy that we're going after, we want to ask and answer men's problems at scale, right? So outside of just loving and serving our families in terms of, you know, kind of doing our jobs, we're expected to figure out like what a, you know, a 503B, you know, it's like all these things we don't know. Sure. And, and what we do is we put good reporters on them. We can do the research for them and we give them qualified things that they can click on. You know, it's funny because Jerry and I were just talking about this at the introduction of the show about how men's magazines in the 90s were so overtly sexual, the FHMs and the maxims of the world. And, and you know, you know, you could read things like popular science, proper mechanics uh, and, and get some of the it's, it's so funny because I, I think, you know, my brother, you know, so I'm not going to mention his name. You, you, you've met my brother before. And he has become a real handyman. I'll tell you something. We had a moment over the weekend. And is I'm this the brother who makes his own furniture? This is the brother who makes he's, his own furniture. He's turning Amish, I think. Well, I was guy, like we got together over the weekend. <laughs> my brother bought a table saw over the weekend because we're getting ready to make some picnic tables for my other brothers. But he has exactly right. Um, and we had to consult. It's funny. A couple of times we had to consult some videos on YouTube. Uh, which seems to be where people are turning. This is what you're talking about when you're talking about serving man and manhood at scale is trying to find a place where real guys can come and find real information about their real lives. Is that what we're talking about here? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I think there's a, you know, the, the real thing out there is that uh, also kind of a, an edifying way too, where everybody talks about the internet as being a rabbit hole. Right. What we oh, yes. want to do is provide a destination like a rabbit hole for the soul where, you know, there's enough good content there that you can get lost in it. We also have a back end where if you're reading the stuff that you like, that you can just click on it and it goes to an archive that you have of your own reading experience with the site. But that is the wow. goal. It's the kind of to take the stuff that's out there, you know, you know, the video on how to you know change a tire and how to do these basic things how to kind of put together a good suit and give that as long as well as some kind of good advice on how one can live a good life. Right. But make it easy, make it accessible. I'm chuckling because I had a conversation yesterday. I'm going to admit this on the air. I bought a suit off of Amazon um, and I was dubious, right? Because you know why? Because, because you're, 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 you're the life of Riley. No, the, okay, right? Because you. Andrew Langer, where I didn't you buy Andrew a butlering costume, but, no, Jerry. But my point is, is that you're, you're. I call a uh, guy. I call Andrew during the day because we do work together. And where's Andrew? He's at Wegmans, or he's at the tailor, or he is getting his tires rotated. Uh, I, you know, <laughs> the life of Riley. Right. You're in your basement. that's where i am yeah but my my point is my point is guy (laughs) that i called my dad because i I actually was surprised at the quality of the suit which is which which set that aside for a moment and my dad says to me well you know (laughs) you really need to go and buy your suit at brooks brothers and you need to do this i'm like well dad brooks brothers no longer makes first of all brooks brothers (laughs) no longer makes decent clothes and they no longer make clothes for guys my size like they don't make clothes for real men anymore and so, you know, if we're looking at Plan Man, and I get this. I, I grew up in Westchester. I would go to the the Brooks Brothers in Eastchester and you know get my my fancy clothes. But what is a guy supposed to do nowadays? What? How does Plan Man respond to that? 
Well, I mean, I, I'll tell you how Guy Shepard responds to it. Yes. I suggest that everybody out there trade in their traditional pants and go get some Lululemons, right? Those are the best pants in the world. You okay. can wear with sports jackets. And then I would say get uh, a nice untucked shirt, right? Yeah. And I, I think that's the new wardrobe. You find a good sports jacket. You throw some on sneakers on there or some, uh, or some vans. And I think you can walk out there in the corporate world particularly as it's, as it's become, but I do so, think, wait a minute. So time out Lululemon makes like actual, like, like khaki pants. Oh my God. They, uh, <laughs> I, I think they're called the, the ABC pant. And okay. it, it, it is the best pant. Look, you're looking for there. a pen, aren't you? You're going to write I am, this down. Right in, no, listen, if I go visit plan man, it will, it will put <laughs> all awesome. that stuff and aggregate that stuff. For you know me. what? Listen, the, the first, the first, I'm sorry. The first, the first rule of podcasting or, you know, or, you know, this really is a, a you know, podcasting is an evolution of talk radio. And I, again, I remember when I was a kid listening to Bob Grant, uh, listening to the uh, talk radio was my father gave me a little notebook and I used to keep it in my pocket and Bob Grant or someone would say something that I wouldn't hear somewhere else and I'd write it down. And so yeah. Andrew, you're, you're, you're proving the, 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 the worthiness of a podcast because you get information so good. You got to right. write it down. Jerry, I'm, I'm pulling up. I'm pulling up exactly what Guy said. It's hey, the hey, Lululemon. Pay, hey, pay attention to the show. Shop later. <laughs> I told you. This is the life not, of Riley I'm here. Not out, I'm not out there doing things. Oh. There, there we go. Look, I pulled it up. The ABC pants. Look at that. Well, I, I think I, that I, might be Guy in the middle right there, too. Look, I've seen, <laughs> I've seen Guy come off the airplane, you know, in the airport, uh, and he'll have a little bag. And I'd be like, hey, you're here for three days. You have a dinner. He's like. Jerry, it's all right in here. Don't worry. It's all here. It no, folds. No. It rolls. Yes. It's it, it, it made for the, issue, the modern right. urban lifestyle of men. So let's talk about this. I'm going to pull this up now from uh, planman.com. Uh, Sorry accepted a no handshake forgiveness <laughs> for Louis C.K. I appreciate the, the metaphor there. But let's let's talk a little bit about, uh, about the Louis C.K. Uh, situation and, and, and what, what, the, what the take is here. Guy, I mean, I think you saw this earlier with David Chappelle and the you know the, the goal to go after him and get him off of Netflix. You know, you see it with Joe Rogan and Spotify. Well, it kind of happened to Louis C.K. I mean, Louis C.K. was one of the kind of early kind of uh, victims of the Me Too movement, mm -hmm. and I say, or at least he paid the consequence of his Me Too crimes. But what the issue is, I kind of wanted to bring up is that. Yeah, this other fact that Jeffrey Tubin, he's on a Zoom meeting like this, and then all of a sudden, you know, he, he reveals himself that he was pleasuring himself during a call <laughs> at work. I found that rather odd. But what I did <laughs> with the, fe with female co-workers. With female co-workers. Right. So it seemed like a very loose. Oh, hold on, hold on. Time wait, wait, guy, hold on. Time out. Jerry would have been better if there had been all male coworkers on that call. Because I'm, I'm not so sure that would. I mean, maybe for a CNN crowd, it would have been better. But I'm not so, go ahead. I'm sorry, guy. Go right ahead. You could say you guys bored me. I mean, yes. really like yes. But I, what I thought was there was kind of an, you know, it was incremeasurable, right? You had Louis C.K. who was, you know. If you watched any of his shows, he kind of built it in. I mean, he was a world historical jerker, right? It was part of his shtick. Um, but all of a sudden, you got Jeffrey Tubin doing it, and he goes to the penalty box for six months and comes out, and Louis C.K. has to do tours in Eastern Europe, right? Yeah. And, and it's so, <laughs> yeah. you know, so you had a, I had a real sense of the thing is like, 
you know, I personally don't want to live in a world without forgiveness. And I think, you know, one of the things that's kind of characteristic of our modern age is there's, you know, is this kind of this notion that there's good and evil and that people are good and other people are bad and there's no redemption. Yeah. And you know, I thought that, you know, Louis had kind of paid his time. He he recognized the kind of the, you know, the, that he was outside a power relationship. You know, when you're the head, when you are Louis C.K., you're the greatest comedy of time, you know, asking for a consensual permission to masturbate in front of another woman, in front of a woman is not a good thing. Right. He was abusing his power. I think he's learned that. Um, but he's he's out there and he's kind of creating comedy that I think, you know, that's enjoyable and that should, you know, that he should be let back into the world. Right. Well, this kind of idea that you uh, you ostracize people for, you know, crimes. But it, it, and that's in the same time when we're keeping him out of comedy again. It's at the same time where we don't have bail anymore. So we have. <laughs> yeah. Five point. years ago. We had no compassion. Now it seems like we have too much compassion. And regardless of where you are, I think Louis should get out of the, you know, out of the box. You know, I be allowed back into public life. I refer to the 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 quote from the William Blake. I'm sorry, the uh, William Butler Yeats poem, uh, "The Second Coming: The Best Lack All Conviction, While the Worst Are Filled with Passionate Intensity." And it seems like there's a corollary here. I, I was reminded of this, R- right? Because, write that down, guy. Yeah, I was reminded was of this yeah. uh, um, back. <laughs> You know, when when Bob Saget passed and folks were lauding him as America's dad for the work that he did on on uh, on Full House. And I'm thinking, well, and again, not to take anything away from his work on Full House or on America's Funniest Home Videos. But I remember when Bob Saget was a filthy comedian and and, in in the best sense of the word. I mean, a a, a dirty comic, incredibly funny. um, And and yet he and then he lived this very wild lifestyle for the longest time. And yet here he is being lauded. I mean, there's a there's a there's an interplay here, right, between sort of the Bob Sagets of the world and how they get lauded, and the Louis C.K.s of the world. And it seems to go into your good versus evil analogy, guy. I, I mean, am I am I right or wrong there? Yeah, and it depends. And I think what you do is decide, it, it it really determines what side you're on and whether you're uh, you're against them or they perceive they're against them. I, I mean, I thought one of the at, at the end of the piece, I kind of come out and say, I think that the Me Too movement has kind of tempered itself, right? You know, I, one of my favorite comedians, uh, another ginger, my favorite one. It's not, my favorite is not. Lee <laughs> it's, okay. I know who it is. It's, is it's it Burr? Bill Burr. Yeah, he's fantastic. Oh, yes. You know, so I, I think, I think Bill Burr's fantastic. He had this <laughs> thing. It's like when the Me Too movement came out, you had the Harvey Weinsteins and other people. And it was like, it looked really terrible. I yes. mean, these people were really awful. Like this casting couch, you know, quid pro blow economics that are running through Hollywood. But then all of a sudden it looked like, I forgot the, uh, the Indian uh, comedian, it, like yes. this guy was getting in trouble for a bad date, you know? So there were real problems. And then all of a sudden people were complaining about bad dates. And I think we're at a point right now where I, I'm happy Hollywood and entertainment and media has caught up with the rest of us, because I don't think I've worked in an environment where anybody was like walking around and, like, you know, having sex with a ficus or something in the office place. <laughs> but it's like, I think, I think we got it, but it does show you recently. It's like, you know, you know, someone like, you know, Governor Cuomo can, you know, kind of make a decision that puts like, you know, old people in nursing homes to their death. But, you know, you act like a 1950s Italian guy in the governor's <laughs> office and that can't happen anymore. 
Right. And I, you know, and I don't have a problem with that. You know, if people purport to actually, you know, to stand up for a cause, they should, their behavior should be in line with it. Right. You know, it's like, you know, you're supposed to live up to your own book. And if you don't live up to your book, people will find you uh, outside of it. And one of the greatest sins in this modern world is hypocrisy. Well, that's that's exactly right. We we talk about this. We've been talking about this with uh, with you know Democratic governors pushing mask mandates. Jerry and I talked about it. Jerry called me up on Monday morning after the Super Bowl, and he's like, "Hey, uh, you, so you're watching? You have a conversation with uh, with folks in your house about all the celebrities not wearing masks?" I said no because I I didn't want to bring that up. But that's that's exactly what you're talking. But Jerry, I know you have a Aziz. A well, Aziz Ansari was the uh, yeah was the comedian from oh, you yeah. know Ma- Master of None. Uh, he was in uh he was in Parks and, Parks Rec. and Rec. And a f- funny guy. And you're right. He went on a date, and the, his his the woman he was dating felt like the date was awkward. And all of a sudden, he gets caught up in the rest of it. Um, he, here's the thing. I, I, I'm not even sure if hypocrisy is the right word for it any longer. It's more hi- hierarchy. Uh, there are some, like the Tubins, uh, who can go into the penalty box and come out again. Uh, and there are others who just aren't allowed out. And I think it's 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 just that there are two standards, one uh, by which the elite live by or or the self-appointed elite who they you know who they who they think they are. Uh, and 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 the scary thing, if you're part of that establishment, is they can chuck you out at any time. Yeah. I mean, uh, look at I mean, look at uh, that you mentioned them already. Um, uh, um, uh, Dave Chappelle. Yeah. I mean, Dave Chappelle was was the king. I mean, the king. And then all of a sudden, I think he, he wasn't. still is the king. Well, I, 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 no, I agree. But yeah, king. I mean, I think he, I, I think he fought the hierarchy and he won. Right, and, and but I, that, but that said, he fought it though. Yeah. Oh my God! But he didn't fight it. He poked it. Yeah. Like, like he dragged it. I mean, he he made fun of it, and I think he did it for a real purpose. Where it, one of the reasons why I think I'm, I, I have a tendency of kind of focusing on you know, comedians and defending comedians, I really think that, you know, the comedian is the canary in the coal mine of Absolutely. our discourse, right? And if you create, a, you know, if, if the gases from our culture are coming up and it's choking off humor, you know, Houston, we have a problem, right? There's a big problem where you listen to all these comedians say they don't want to go on college campuses anymore. Yeah. And then you find out that, you know, instead of just turning the channel, going to something else right. that you want, Right. Something called humor that's not really funny. It's like that's what the choice is. But, you know, we live in a time where it's like, you know, you know, Jefferson had a beautiful formulation. It's like, you know, I don't care if you believe in one God or 20 gods, as long as you don't pick my pocket or break my bone. And the basic thing was, you know, this is America. Let your freak fly flag fly. Right. One God, 20 gods. You don't like your gender. Change it. But you shouldn't coerce other people to pay for it. Or to bend their knee and say it's good. There you know, that is that is, I think, the if there's something afoot that's dangerous that needs to be done, is that I think we have to get our like liberal creed back as a people and recognize where you get we all we all get to pursue our happiness. And I want everybody to pursue their happiness. Right. You know, so Guy Shepherd, plan man, you know, doesn't have a narrow prism of what it is to be a man. But it, it, it has a certain kind of code of conduct on what is required, right? And then what is required is let people do what they want. You know, it's like I'm open to even letting them hurt themselves, right? You know, so I, I mean, I don't, I, don't, I don't like a nanny state that gets in, the, you know, gets in the way of people. But, you know, 
it's like you pay for your life. You pay for the consequences of your life and, and let people live and people can look around, see a thousand flowers and choose what, you know, what, what dandelion they want to be. There was one thing, Sorry, guys, in, in my conversations with Guy, um, he, he's uh, and he's been on the, uh, the radio show with me a couple of times, too. Uh, uh, two things. Uh, and I'll, I'm going to ask him to explain these things. But, but I've, I've, you know, I've stolen them and I've used them. Uh, in fact, I used it uh, coaching football, the four F's. Um, I changed it a, a wee bit. Uh, but um, but uh, but, the, you know, the, uh, the principle of the four F's, I'm, I'm going to let Guy explain it, but also. Um, the, uh, uh, the, 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 um, I was talking to a guy just recently and, and it's this idea of, of functionality versus perfection. And I, th- mm-hmm. I think these, these are two themes, uh, that run through plan, man, that make it a must stop. So anyway, but, but, you know, uh, guy, uh, uh, the four F's and, uh, mm-hmm. and, and functionality versus perfection. Yeah. I, I've, I've always thought that the moralists aren't, you know, aren't there aren't their best friends for their own mission where they, they make it too long. They make it too hard. You know? So one of the things I did, I came up with this thing called four F's and the goal of it was to come up with an ethics that could actually really, you could take through your life and remember. Right. So the first one, I know this is a podcast, so we're under different. It's, I'll go through them all and then I'll describe them. It's fuck up, fess up, figure out, forgive. Right. So to fuck up is human. Right. But it turns out that people, particularly people who kind of follow, want to be perfectionists or see themselves as righteous, they, 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 they want to forget that they're human. So, you know, I, I think that, you know, to, to recognize that we're all fuck ups, to fuck up is human, to forgive is divine. Right. And but if you really want to go to a, you know, a fuck up to a forgive, which is the last point, you know, there are two steps in between. And, and the other one is fess up. You know, we, we all make mistakes, but it's it doesn't seem like we're all, we're all as good as taking ownership of our mistakes because they think that to do a bad thing means you're a bad person, yes. which is not the case. If you never actually take ownership over your, over your mistakes over time, you become a Pharisee and a bad person, right? But it's like, you're able to kind of do that. So one thing I would say, if you, if you make a fess up and you, like we all, we've all had arguments with our wives or friends, you know, our coworkers, you know, you don't have a good fess fess up when the person saying, I'm sorry, I did the following, but there can be no buts in a fess up. Sure. A but is an anti-fess. It's, it's, it's a false fess. We don't want a false fess. I love right? it. And then it's figure out. It's like, you know, we all make mistakes. We make messes, but it's like, why don't you clean up your fucking mess? Right. You know, you know, so if you've made a mess, clean it up. And then if you do all that, then you get the big hug and forgiveness. But people want to actually go right to the forgiveness without going through the process. But this is something that I think helps you in business. I think it helps you in your personal life. I think marriage, marriage, it helps you coaching. But it's very strange where I really think the fuck up is important, quite frankly, because I think when people realize that, you know, listen, I, I, I'm a believer, right. Uh, You know, but I, I would describe like our humanity that we inherited it's like, you know, we're born in the likeness of God, but made out of monkey parts. You know, it's like we got some issues with us. Right. We like, you know, if you read, if you read, you know, the Ten Commandments, it's like you got to get it down to one. It's we're just a covetous person, people. We, we, we want other people's shit. Right. And our tendency is to take that stuff or long for that. And it's like that's why we're kind of shitty at heart. That's why we need ethics. 
But it shows you that I think the reason why we're falling, it gives us the opportunity to rise and we have an own, our own hand in our creation. But it's like, it's by actually knowing that we're shitty. It's knowing that we have a tendency towards badness and that we, we should not think of ourselves as perfect because if we do, we'll probably be perfect monkeys, not actually, you know, born in the likeness of God people. You know, let, let, let me interrupt you just for a second Please. before you, before you talk about the uh, functionality versus perfection. Uh, because again, before you came on guy, uh, Andrew and I were talking about PJ O'Rourke and how, um, how, uh, you know, his, his books, uh, Parliament of Horrors in particular, but some others uh, really helped shape my, my political philosophy. Uh, and, you know, I had the pleasure of meeting him, you know, when you work and play in DC and New York, you get to meet people. I didn't know him, but I met him. And I, I often said this, I often said our mutual friend, Steve Hayward, uh, Steve uh, uh, is, a, is an intellectual a professor, a good guy, AEI guy, uh, but, but he's brilliantly funny and, and sharp. And I, always, I, used to, I used to always tease him that he was, uh, he was uh, the poor man's PJ O'Rourke. Um, and, and, but, but however, I want to say this, I'm going to give Guy a compliment. Uh, again, this is why you ought to go to Plan Man, because, because I'm sad that PJ O'Rourke uh, has passed on, but I think in Guy Shepard and Steve Hayward uh, and some others, uh, the spirit of, of, of PJ O'Rourke lives on the, the kind of the, the, the wit, the wisdom uh, and the, uh, and the irreverence. Uh, these things matter uh, to persuade, right? That's at the end of the day, what are we trying to do here? We're trying to persuade and influence. And so anyway, I love, I love the four F's. I, I, uh, maybe uh, Andrew, we should do a PJ O'Rourke section uh, and, and just have David, oh. uh, just have, uh, just have um, our, our friends on. Uh, uh, to 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 uh, to to to, to uh, be in that segment, sure. but guy, tell us about the um, the tell us about the uh, the functionality. You told me this the other day. Please. I think it's brilliant. Well, let me tell you first uh, my favorite P.J. O'Rourke essay. Right, um, how to drive drunk, how to drive while drunk while getting your wing wing squeezed without <laughs> spilling your drink. That was <laughs> of, of his piece, and I and I think that. You know, he kind of had a kind of gonzo conservatism about things or a libertarianism. And I, I mean, the world is less funnier without him. And it's like I I think he showed uh, in some respects what like a non ideological cool was. Right. He, he really. And again, to call him conservative or libertarian, I think is to do an injustice to him, because what I liked about him at core, I think is another thing that I think we have gone too far down the road of, and there's a reason why everything's uninteresting, is that he talked about the phenomena of things. He just went right to the heart of being. He didn't bring in the, the edifice of labels, liberal or conservative. He, he spoke in a voice about a phenomena, and he did it in a hilarious way. And, uh, you know, again, I don't like it because it's like, I think I've lived a similar lifestyle. And I hope I live with medical science past seventy-four. <laughs> man, yeah. so but uh, to PJ, what do you want to? What do you want? Functionality, man. Yeah. Tell me about oh, functionality. functionality. Like, well, functionality is, I think, the religion of uh, of PJ O'Rourke, right? It's yes. the, you know, I I think it's like you know, for example, I wrote a I wrote a piece uh, called "A Better Defense for Bad Behavior," right? And it was just this kind of recognition on you know, kind of looking at our attitudes towards pleasure, right? And I kind of really came out and said, if you want to know what the root of all evil is, 
right, by the scientific establishment, but also the moral establishment, it's pleasure, right? And I think if you look at it that way, it's like, is, is pleasure evil? And I, I don't think it is. And I thought, you know, it really needed to be a, a better defense had to be given to it. So I give it. But like when I was going down the going down the list of, you know, the arguments that I was making on how, you know, you know, we just have to learn how to do pleasure well. Right. We have to learn how to, you know, eat our chocolate cake, but not get diabetes. Right. You know, it's like <laughs> chocolate cake's good. But a life dedicated to chocolate cake, you'll probably lose a couple of toes and go blind in an eye, right? <laughs> but it's so, so it's like you got to do it in a certain type of perception. So you know the whole idea. If you see if you see someone out there having fun and crushing it, like invariably there'll be someone looking over at the other side going, "He's a functional alcoholic," and yeah. I'm like, the whole goal should be to be functional, right? The whole goal of morality. So on one level, on the I, the way I would look at it is functionalism is, is the four, right? Perfectionism is a ceiling, right? But we should all strive for functionalism. Yes. Functionalism <laughs> is within reach, right? You know, it's like, you know, it's almost like you, if, if you had a kid and, and you're worried about him because he, he, he looks like he might trend to bad behavior, you should find a functional alcoholic to introduce him to. Like, <laughs> how do you keep this together? Because my son is an idiot and it looks like he's going to go off the rails. Um, so listen, well, and I, and I put up a, a guy, I put up a, the a screenshot of a, a better defense for, for bad behavior. And, and I, and I appreciate this. It, it's like, I'm reminded of the quote, um, everything in moderation, including moderation. Oh, definitely. I you mean, know, that, I, I think if there's, that is, that's something I would write down too. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, but one of the things I, I, I've always attempted to, and I love you know, the way that, I think people think and communicate through quotes. It's like quotes are like they're lines to live by, right? Absolutely. They, it, it's almost that in a great quote, you get, you know, what Jordan Peterson calls a map for meaning, right? Yeah. Like, ah, got it. You know, that's the algorithm for the, the truth there, right? And, and I think, yeah, that's, I think, you know, to, I presume moderation moderately, right? Yeah, exactly. it's, it's, yeah. it's funny because on that score, I used to talk about, and the three of us have all been involved in public policy in various guises over the years. Um, I used to talk about uh, well-intentioned policies and real realities. And then my father, you know, in his 80s, summarized it well, which is there are many roads to utopia, all, however, must traverse the surface of the earth. And I was like, Wow. I mean, you know, it's, it's, this is, you know, you reach up this nugget of wisdom from on high that I, that I use quite a bit. I want to circle back to what you were talking about in terms of comedy guy, because um, obviously that's very much in my wheelhouse. There was a really great documentary about this called uh, can we take a joke, which came out about 10 years after the aristocrats documentary, which is a, I, I can't recommend it highly enough. It, actually, this is really where I want to go with this. Because, and Guy, I don't know if you've ever seen the Aristocrats documentary. Jerry, I don't know if you've seen it. I uh, have, those, yeah. yeah. So it's it's about the filthiest joke ever told. Um, it, it stems off of... Where uh, Bob Saget was like a gold medal winner. I yes. Mean, it, well, it, it, it he gins made, he off of... puke in their mouth. It, it gins <laughs> off of, you know, Gilbert Gottfried after telling a very, <laughs> very ill-timed 9-11 joke two weeks after 9-11... Yes. He then put it into into the at, at the at the roast of Hugh Hefner, by the way. Um, 
pivoted into telling his version of the aristocrats. And I think about this because, you know, I get embarrassed when I recommend this joke to people and I, or this movie to people. And I really shouldn't in the end, because it gets into what this later documentary talks about, which is, can we take a joke, which is about now people are getting offended by this. We need truth tellers, right? I, I am buoyed by the fact that, and, and Jerry tells me I shouldn't be buoyed by this. I am buoyed by the I fact. I never say the word buoy. I, I know sure. you don't. Know. <laughs> I am buoyed by the fact that. I don't know if you're floating. I am, or, yes, <laughs> I am. I am. I am happier by the fact that, that, oh. uh, that uh, John Stewart is defending Joe Rogan but I shouldn't be congratulating John Stewart when he does the right thing. Cause there's so, a right. My point is this is all, you know, at least John Stewart is recognizing that there's a real danger in society. When we start policing the language of other people, especially those who are engaged in satire. And I wanted to get your thoughts on that. Well, I, yeah, again, I, I think that, I don't know. I don't want to, I don't want to give comedians a special, uh, you know, kind of protection, you know, like the media gets, but I think that, True. You know, we all should be able, you know, I mean, we're free, right? And and sometimes we're, we're free to say stupid things and wrong things and hurtful things, right? But it's like, you know, it, it, there's a difference between a stick and a stone and a joke, yeah. right? Sticks and stones break bones, right? Jokes, right. it usually, you know, it, you know, and, and I think you saw that with David Chappelle and, 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 and the trans woman who, who, who really were, were, he was a very good friends with Daphne. It's like, she laughed when David was making his jokes about trans. Sure. Because you know what she knew? She desert. She was real, right? <laughs> you know, you're 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 talking about me. That make that affirms me, even though you're making jokes, right? And I I think it's it, you know I think there's a there there's this it, it's it's an un-American, it's an unhealthy, it's a tribalistic pursuit to force other people to your conception of a good. Right. And I think, you know, like we were founded by people like, like I came from Massachusetts. I was founded by a bunch of jerks who fled religious persecution so they could go establish it in the new world. Right. You know, so, you know, that's that's the way human beings are. Right. And I and I don't think that's uh, you know, I don't think that's I think that's a dead end for us. You add, a, you know, because one of the things I I did, it's like I I took a friend who, uh, you know, a I took a friend who's a leading black intellectual and I took him to watch uh, Chris Rock. And my basic argument was, and, and this is a gentleman who, um, like I'll tell you his name, John McWhorter, right? He's, he is, I think he's the cure for uh, much of our problems when it comes to time. Plan, Plan Man has a piece up right now on, on, on John McWhorter's um, uh, uh, a take on, on critical race theory. In fact, I, it's all, it's also up on real clear books, uh, that, uh, um, the quarter piece. And I mean, and this guy's, you know, this guy, I, I think is the cure for a lot of things, but I also saw Chris Rock as a cure for it. So, and you know, my, my basic argument is if you hear people laugh about things, right. That shows you how, you know, that shows you there's, there's an opportunity to bring people along. Right. So yeah. Chris Rock made, made you know, a, a group of people at the Apollo theater to, pretty much a sea of pepper, maybe a couple of sprinklings of salt in there. And he said some things that just blew the roof off the place and showed that where John was trying to take us is not a place where they don't understand and see themselves. And so there's, you know, 
for those who don't think there's a hope for uh, you know recon reconciliation among the races, because I think people want to be devices about this issue, read John McWhorter. Sure. You know, like watch uh, watch uh, you know Chris Rock's earlier specials, and it's like it just shows you that it's there. But what stands in between us and there are you know are these cultural guardians that just really are the death of fun. Like they're not fun people. Like they're not the pursuit of happiness type of people. They're 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 living up to you know of a, a book that is just boring and ugly and flat and and without humor. Well, and I, it, right. Listen, it comes down to movies. I'll, I'll I'll give examples. Movies like The Purge or TV shows like The Handmaid's Tale, which are are written because they're they're trying to make some kind of a political point, or film because they're trying to make some kind of political point. But it, it, it's a political point that falls very flat because they have a, a, a fundamental misunderstanding. It's like the movie that came out last year about uh, or during the pandemic about the group of people who want to hunt down right wingers. I didn't yeah, see yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, you know, I do. You know, I mean, all of these things. The hunt. I mean, right? The hunt. Right. I mean, listen, let's you want you want great movies that sort of capture. I'm not going to say reality, but sort of capture a mindset. You know, go back to Red Dawn. Right. Red Dawn yeah, is but, a. But, but Sorry, Andrew, to make your point for you, that that, that movie, The Hunt, uh, again, it was made to to be a dig, a mocking of 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 the you know the MAGA folks. But at the end of the day, in that movie, the MAGA folks right went after went after and yeah. killed uh, the Guardians. You know, he, he, a, a guy makes a great point, and that is, uh, regular people, hard hats, police officers, teachers, you know, uh, uh, entrepreneurs. Um, aren't guided by ideology the same way the guardians are. Uh, however, the left has been brilliant. Uh, the guardians have been brilliant. I've said this a million times. I'll say it again. Uh, they, they're winning the cultural war. And, and, here's, and here's just a proof from this week. You have, uh, you have st uh, college students at various colleges around the country uh, where the mask mandate has been lifted. And you have college students protesting on their own campuses asking for the mask mandate back and yeah. any one of them any one of them can wear a mask if they want yes. to or go virtual in terms of their learning uh but yet it's not enough that they can do it they want you to do it and that's this is a generation that they they have they, they have ingested the kool-aid and no, again again yeah there's a difference between persuasion and coercion and yeah. i think that is the very example of it yeah I mean, and I think this is like one of the things I brought up in the in the Joe Rogan thing is saying, it's like, how did these liberals all of a sudden who were, you know, the age of Aquarius, free love, free speech, <laughs> all of a sudden become, you know, people who are kind of using their power in order to brown out other people's free speech rights and what obviously 11 million people have. I think I looked into the numbers, you know, Joe Rogan makes $100 million. Neil Young makes three hundred thousand dollars. So I, you know, I think it was an ag hippie punching up just so he could go off into the sunset at his ranch and feel righteous before he croaked, right? This but it's is, like it's tough. And, 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 and guy, by the way, he's back up on Spotify. Yeah, Jerry, because and this is what I wanted to get to, right? Because you write, guy, about about Lenny Bruce. Not that again, not that I want to make this all about comedians. But, you know, you write about Lenny Bruce and we talk about about free speech and the ACLU and uh, Ira Glasser, who was the executive director of the ACLU, was on the Bill Maher show. And I don't watch Bill Maher very often. Happened to turn this on. We and should. There's He's a very good. 
there's a there's a a a, a new documentary out about Ira Glasser, and what he was talking about is how now the ACLU, this vaunted uh, vanguard to use an alliteration there, of this vaunted vanguard of protecting the free speech rights of everybody is now subjecting potential clients to political means testing and litmus testing to make sure that their speech is something that they want to defend. And Glasser talks about the fact, and I, and I agree with this wholeheartedly, you know, popular speech doesn't need to be protected. It, it is protected by virtue of its popularity. It's unpopular speech. And you're right because you have these hippies, and I, I would, I would say that the free speech movement, the anti-war movements of the 1960s, right? They were, they were protesting a corrupt authoritarian or leaning towards authoritarian government, you know, abusing its power, and thought that they could replace it with a benign authoritarianism of their own. When the problem is authoritarian government. But, but, but here's, go, if go I ahead. could give you a shorthand about how you kind of understand, you know. Uh, Joni and Neil uh, yesterday and today is that I think there is a you know a distinction worth the difference between a liberal and a progressive. I think a liberal believes in persuasion. A progressive believes in coercion. Mm. Right? It's that simple. Right? You know, everybody who was a liberal had an idea of the good, but you know they wanted a thousand flowers to bloom. Now they just want their little tulip. Right? You know, it's like this is the truth, and you know I I think. What you should do, what a free people should do, is they, you know, they should go as far as persuasion, uh, you know, joins them, and then not pick up the means of coercion in order to bring the rest and drag the rest around. It just doesn't seem like a proper thing to do, and and particularly in light of Joe Rogan. I mean, this guy is the, you know, I describe him as Walter Cronkite with sleeve tattoos, right? And you know, and it's just like these guys are doing like, you know, a weird like bizarro Tet offensive where at the net result, I mean, they're gonna lose Joe Rogan. And if you lose Joe Rogan, as Joe goes Joe Rogan, so goes America. I mean, you saw it, Rumble was, was ready to, you know, break out their checkbook and give him an opportunity, which could have created a new internet of something. You know, it's like, could, could really come out and say, unicorns can be slaughtered. They can be replaced with something else that's freer. And it's like, I think, I think it's, I think Joe Rogan, I think it, I described it at one point, like going after Joe Rogan is peak woke because it's, yeah. a, it's a stupid thing to do because they've done so well by punching down, you know, like they even go after a beautiful guy, like, you know, the guy from um, what's the band. I mean, he will, will, uh, Wilton Marshall, right. He was a guy, oh, yeah. you know, you know, he's a banjo player from the Mumford and Sons. Mumford, yeah. Like, yeah, Mumford and Sons. Yeah, this guy is the most decent human being on the planet. It's like, he sent out, what was his sin? He sent out a forwarded tweet of a New York Times bestseller that was critical of Antifa. So if you're against, <laughs> if you're against Maoism, that yes. makes you pro-fascism, right? And it's like, <laughs> I, I don't know, I don't think that's right. <laughs> you know, you know w w one thing though, and I'm interested, Guy, in your thoughts on this, but also you too, Andrew, and that is, it's, it's something that I warn all the time. I think, I think the right, I think conservatives, yeah. uh, when a celebrity or when a- This is what I was getting to, Jerry. Yeah, when, when a famous person uh, uh, seems to side with them on an issue. Uh, we we put that celebrity on a pedestal, uh, and we promote the celebrity. And I then, get buoyed by it. <laughs> right, you get buoyed by yeah. it. But then, but then eventually that celebrity uh, goes back to form. Joe Rogan is no conservative. He is Joe Rogan, and he's a he's a comic. He's a 
Uh, he's a free thinker. He's a smart guy. He's entertaining. He likes to mix martial arts, uh, but he's not, you know, he's not William F. Buckley. And I think conservatives. No, I mean, it's like, yeah. yeah. William F. Buckley, if he came back today in his best form, would not have 11 million people. Right? <laughs> but William, you know, like, you know, and I think the virtue of Joe Rogan is, you know, getting back to, I think he's a liberal in the best sense of the word, sure. maybe even the classical sense of the word. And, you know, I think that we all should actually resync ourselves around it. So, you know, the problem with the phrase, you know, being called a conservative is that it begs the question, conserve what? Right. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, I think, cons you know, conserving a Joe Rogan liberalism yeah. is one of the things that's most important to do at this moment. Yeah. I mean, it's like this guy, I think, is like an embodiment, a, you know, a guy expression you know, of the American ideal with sleep tattoos on. I mean, that this is the guy who you want to come to your house for dinner. You want him at Thanksgiving. Yeah. Because guess what? He actually does something that I've seen very few people do. He listens. He yep. asks questions. He lets people reveal yep. themselves, yep. right? And guess what? When you do that, you make mistakes, right? But it's like, again, you get back this perfectionism. Like, you know, it's like, guess what? Science is never settled, right? You know, if like, you know, the thing I thought I thought was bizarre, if you looked at what Jody and Neil going, they're going after him at the strong, at the weakest point of their argument. Their yeah. argument is going downhill, right? And it's like, you know, it's like Joe's heterodoxy, his iconoclast uh, kind of approach and, and, you know, with his guest. It's like, ah, you know, I think it, it raises, I think, having those voices you know god we live in a free society it, like this is why people buy cable it's to it's to see the variety of of the, of the human form and ideas it's like the idea that that is not welcomed and people want to use public health as a way to actually you know destroy kind of american free speech and like and and because american free speech it's the reason why we have it is because inquiry is necessary for a free society yeah. Right. Yeah. But yeah. so I'm not defending your right. I'm just saying I'm defending the process of inquiry. Right. And it's like, you know, guess what? When you like when you say something, you reveal yourself. If you don't like what has been revealed to you, turn the channel. Yeah. Right. And, and, uh, guy, there's a real danger in society. You know, Jerry and I talked about the importance of the conversation. And having those conversations is vitally important, that exchange of ideas. As, as, these, as speech gets attacked in all of its forms and people are discouraged from speaking out, right? Mm -hmm. Then, then the, the conversation becomes monologue. We can't solve problems in America, in our communities, around the world if we can't talk to each other. Talk a little bit about that. And then I, I might have a question about common ground, but, 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 but talk a little bit about that. I, I think it's right. It's like, yeah. you know, the the scientific method, the journalistic method, the policy method ought to be open inquiry, right? Yeah. It's to it's to make like we all have to make calls, right? You know, so you know, if you look at COVID, what was COVID? It's like something was something we didn't expect was foisted upon us. You know, we we answered it on the fly. And when you do so, you make, you know, you make some mistakes. But that Absolutely. needs to be like a feedback loop, like post-market surveillance. Yeah. And then you figure out where do we go wrong? Where did we go right? That doesn't happen in a monologue regime, 
That only happens in a dialogue regime, right? Yeah. You know, so, you know, there's a reason why it's good. I, I, I love, you know, I think, you know, the United States has benefited from a two-party system, right? You know, because you have that dialogue that's going. But, you know, attempts to actually, you know, kind of limit that dialogue, limit that feedback loop, I think it's, you know, I think it puts us on, like, you know, it, it, it allows stupid ideas to grow that seem like the, their purposes and for have us win Darwin prizes. I, yeah. Let me let me interject here because Jerry has Jerry has pointed out on numerous occasions that it's the most corrupt, dysfunctional governments in American society that have been a monopoly of one yeah. power over the other. Look, for, look for at yeah. look at the Jim Crow South. Uh, look at Baltimore City today. You know, uh, and 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 again to to Guy's point. You know, Jordan Peterson on the Joe Rogan show uh, recently said that uh, conversations are what make us human. Yes. And when you don't allow for the conversation, it really is. It really is. Uh, it, 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 it impacts. We objectify and and uh, and and we lose part of our humanity. And the irony is, is that uh, the, the, this is something, again, going back to Guy's point about progressive versus liberal. Uh the, the conversation is the point. That's the point. And, and, and people reveal themselves. Look, I want the hater to, to, to be able to say amen. So then I know it's the hater. Absolutely. I want, I want to know who, who have, who has the bad idea versus the good idea. You know, this is something I've said before. Our audience has heard it. Andrew has heard it a thousand times, but uh, you know, when the Puritans, right. When, uh, when guys, people came to America up in Massachusetts and, and new England, uh, they didn't establish the church first. They didn't build a church first. They yes. built a pub first. And it wasn't just to have a drink. It, it, was, it was to have the conversation because conversations were important. Anyway. Uh, Guy, before we let you go, uh, talk a little bit about, I mean, we've talked about Plan Man and, and again, planman.com. We'll put the link up on the show's various pages. But behind you, we see the, uh, for those of you who are watching or who are listening, you know, uh, a guy here on Zoom has his logo for Under the Influence. What's uh, Under the Influence? How do we find that? Uh, well, it's uh, I'm going to be uh, shooting the first show this Thursday and Fridays, right? So it's coming. It's coming to a theater near you. Let's Excellent. say that. But the premise of the show is that you know it's a play on actually it's it's truth in advertising. What we're mm -hmm. going to do is we're gonna we're gonna drink and think. We're gonna <laughs> muse and booze. We're going to <laughs> drink through a conversation because of the whole idea of it, if there's, if there's something, you know, maybe it's, maybe one of the problems that we have is that we live in a, you know, a mothers against drunk driving culture. But I think one of the consequences of that is like, I think that people getting to Jerry's point about the idea of a public house, it's like people need to talk to each other. And I think people are better, more philosophic, you know, more civil, right? If, if they have a drink in their hand. You know, maybe not five drinks later, they, they might change into something other. But the goal of this is to is to get around, you know, and have a conversation with with folks that have something to say on the subject of, you know, a planned man and and have a couple of drinks with them and talk about, you know, their contribution to the cause. And, you know, one of the things I liked about Jordan Peterson and I and Jordan, if you're watching this, I'd like to have you on my show. Um, sure. So would we. It, it as if you look at at him it's like what is his success it's like we're we're 
we're living in a culture now that's fixated on deconstruction. You put anything beautiful in front of somebody now and they want to turn it into shit, right? And, you know, they want to break it down. They want to show its origins. Well, Machiavelli said in the 15th century, it's like the origins of everything have a little bit of force and fraud in it, right? So it's like, it's like a 12-year-old trick, uh, you know, trick of a child, right? It's not real, right? To kind of, yeah, it's like, yeah, we're bad. It's like, hey, not only 1619, we did genocide on the Indians, right? Like we, like we did some bad shit, but guess what? It's like, we also did some good things and there's a reason why we did it. But one of the things I like about Peterson and I think what we want to do and mimic in this site is like, we don't want to engage in deconstruction. We want to engage in reconstruction. Here, so I want people who, have, who, who are doing that, making a contrib- contribution to making us better, have a couple of drinks with it, hopefully not slur too much. And like come down with something like, you know, you know, like drunk history, but, sure. you know, but about guys. Right. And, and, and hopefully teach people not only how, you know, how to do something like in a very functional way, which is drink and think. Right. You know, drinking, I think, is not, you know, is not opposed to towards thinking. I think it's a lubricant for it. An accelerant. Vino Veritas. And Vino it's, uh, Veritas. it's uh, brought to you by Uber. And, uh, you know, the <laughs> funny thing is. Biagio. <laughs> uh, uh, Andrew and I uh, had a boss once, uh, Fred Smith, over at CEI. And, uh, and you know, we CEI would often uh, be in a position to have to defend the vices and the sins, right? Oh, big, yeah. fa- big pharma, big oil, what a big tobacco, whatever it was. Uh, and I remember we were having conversations about big alcohol. And, uh, and he was on a program, you know, a, like a, a crossfire type program. And Fred Smith said this, he said, look, he said, why are we trying to, um, why are we trying to denigrate alcohol? Uh, at a wedding, there's a toast. Uh, at a funeral, there's a parting glass. Jesus' first miracle. And he said, yes. you, know, uh, you know, at a funeral, there's a, you know, the parting glass. Uh, Jesus' first miracle for his mother was to create wine, uh, was to create wine. And the best, it wasn't just wine. It was the best wine. It was an 83 markup. <laughs> but the point is, is that going back to Guy's point, uh, you know, perfection can be the enemy uh, and functionality is, is, is where we should be, uh, where we should be at and moving towards perfection. Try, you, know, we're, you know, something that a guy said to me recently or someone said to me recently, uh, we're, we're, we're all in the process of becoming. Uh, and while we're doing that, let's be functional. That's there right. And well, it's like, and I think we've, We've, I've known a couple of perfectionists who have actually <laughs> fallen off the rails because they didn't know that lesson. Yeah. You know, they didn't know that, you, you know, to, you know, they had a little bit of the Icarus, like, you know, this, what I like about functionalism, it's, the, it's the ground, it's the terror, it's the earth, right? And sure. you can become buoyant on, on other things, but it's like, <laughs> this is where you want to have your feet from. All, all warfare is ground warfare. Uh, Guy Shepard, uh, planman.com. Thank you so very much for joining us today. Thanks, guys, for the Thanks, opportunity. Guy. God bless you, buddy. Guys. Bye-bye. And uh, with that, uh, let us go to the bottom line. The bottom line. Yeah, Jerry, that was, uh, listen, as we talk about this and the importance of the conversation, that that sums it up, doesn't it? That, that conversation we just had. Yeah, it, it does. And again, to promote Guy Shepard's website plan man it's not for men uh it speaks to men it speaks for men it speaks about men uh but it's it's also written 
uh, to everyone in a man's life. So if you have daughters, a wife, a mother, you have a sister, uh, this is for them too. You know, it's interesting. Uh, I didn't say this to Guy when he was on, but uh, Super Bowl Sunday, my daughter Bridget was over and uh, her boyfriend Jack and uh, and a friend of theirs, Shannon, and they're all in their 20s. Yeah. And I was talking about uh, something and I said, you know what? There's a real good piece on this at Planned Man. And they all went there and Bridget, 21 years old, and her friend Shannon, 24, 23 years old, they thought this thing was fantastic. Well, you know, I'm sitting here thinking about the sort of the basic life skills. And I don't mean, you know, learning how to sew, though I think learning how to iron is probably a good skill. But, I, you know, I was thinking about, you know, learning how to shop. And I'll tell you something. Yeah. Speaking to guys, now I don't, I don't know. I've always, I know how to iron, by the way. I iron really well. I've always done the shopping in my house. I don't know how other couples divide it up, but I think there's something to be said for teaching guys how to, how to, for instance, grocery shop. Uh, Obviously, beyond the sort of the basic lifestyle, how to start a, how to start a fire. I, I, I could have asked, and then you, I think you answered the question. I, I could have asked Guy about the, 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 the transformation of the Boy Scouts into scouting and how that might have changed things. But I think you answered the question in this idea that the planned man, in terms of embracing these skills, are the things that we have lost over the years, right? Because you think about it, the reason why, obviously there have been the attacks on the Boy Scouts because they're the Boy Scouts of America. But there's also the attacks on the institution of scouting as outmoded, as antiquated, as being um, something out of the 1950s. Now, there are obviously still young people who do scouting. I, I know this is a weird tangent to go down, Jerry, but, but my, my point is this. The skills that are taught in scouting it was driving through my neighborhood. I'll give you an example of this. was driving through my neighborhood and there are a bunch of kids who were taking some old, there weren't logs and they weren't sticks. They were sort of in that in-between branches. And they were trying to build a tree house in a tree. And they just sort of had all the, the, the branches sort of laying next to each other. And I'm thinking, you know, if these kids were in scouting, they'd know it's very easy to lash all of these pieces of wood together and actually make a structure. You know, you don't yeah. need nails to do this. And there's something lost in all of this. The, you know, the guy was well, talking about, it, it, it's not, go ahead. But again, it's a, a couple of thoughts on this. Uh, uh, and uh, I learned how to shoot uh, in scouting. Yeah. You know, so um, even, even, a, you know, a kid living in New Jersey, uh, you know, uh, I was in the Weeblos and before Boy Scouts, I, I only made it one year into Boy Scouts because, yeah. uh, because I had played football and I was playing baseball and other, you know, you make choices. But I was in the uh, I was in the uh, Cub Scouts, Weeblos, and then one year in Boy Scouts. I learned how to shoot a gun at the, yeah. in, 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 in Boy Scouts. But here's here's the problem I have. Um, we have a tendency to overcorrect. I'm watching Quantum Leap. You know this. I was not aware of this. Jim. And and in season five, there there seems to be a lot of um, episodes about a, a women's liberation. <laughs> And, and, and I'm fine with it, but there was this one episode where the man really was overpowering and he was the king of the house and you do this and you better get to your room and put, you better have that meal on the table sort of a thing. And it was like 1971 or whatever. And I thought to myself, no, it wasn't always like that. 
I mean, my mother was married in 1971. And I assure yes. you that my mother wasn't serving. She served my father because uh, he loved her and he served her. There was a mutual submission, a mutual serv- uh, service, but there really was a, a male role and a female role. And, and just because you don't have to be stuck in a role doesn't mean uh, that men and women uh, don't have roles and, and yes. don't have uh, attributes. Like for instance, this is part of the problem with the transgendered ideology. I am not a mom. Yes. Mothers, females have certain qualities and attributes that I lack. Uh, uh, first well, of which, is, yeah. Sorry, I'm, I'm just saying that we have to. We we and again. I mentioned this is part link. of what got we Jennifer have, Say into trouble at Levi's, right? It wasn't just that she was talking about the COVID issue, but she apparently had had voiced her opposition to changing Mother's Day to Birthing Parents Day. Uh, yeah. Again, Hold on, like, time out for a second. Yeah. Because it excludes step parents and it excludes adoptive parents sure right and, and so you know but, and yet, but, it, but sorry, there's nothing there's nothing wrong if you are a girl and you like so-called girl things or if you're yes. a boy and 100%. you like so-called boy things and there's nothing wrong with a girl who likes boy things and a boy who likes girl things I, I, again this idea that we have to coerce people using a guy's you know terminology about, about, about progressives uh, why can't we just let people be yes that's and, exactly and, and live their lives yes. and at the same time there are natural attributes that men have yes men i'm sorry by nature we are more aggressive does that mean well, all men are more aggressive than women no of course not uh but and 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 women are more nurturing does it mean that that some men aren't more nurturing than women of, this of, is, cor- of course not it's all play out at the university of pennsylvania with their swim team and the guy who was ranked you know 400 in the 400s in the yeah, country and now ranked number one well and and but now they're now they're finally changing it i mean they're, they're this this no they didn't they went back he can now compete in, in the championships i thought they had so that they 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 reversed they reversed they, themselves that that, again. that and i'm gonna say this and if we're yeah. canceled we're canceled that man can dress up in a in a women's uh, uh, a bathing suit and swim as a woman in 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 a, in women's competition. It is it is it is it is it is the as a father of four daughters, the un, the injustice of that. Imagine yeah. spending your entire and I know how these swim kids are. No, oh, yeah. You no, know, it is it is hours and hours in the pool, sacrifice, up late, uh, missed parties and missed. Uh, family sure. weekends and and it's grammar school it's middle school it's high school and then you're in college and then you're ranked top five and then uh you are blown away by you know 15 seconds or 45 seconds in the pool by someone who was up until a year and a half ago was swimming as a man and 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 swimming I'm not going to say swimming better than I can, but still in terms of competitive swimming. Hey, before, before we go, Jerry, I did want to play this because I, we, we were going to, we were going to pull it up just as, just as we went to this uh, guy shepherd thing. This is the situation with this um, uh, school district meeting. Let me pull this up here. This school board meeting in uh, uh, Glenbrook uh, in Illinois. Um, this story about this guy, hold on. I want to pull this up. Oh, hold on. I got to do it again because I uh, I didn't share the uh, the audio. That's the problem. So he goes up to speak about mask mandates and he takes his mask off to speak. 
<laughs> forget it forget it forget it i'm not going to bother if there's a if there's an ad there i my apologies guys and and he gets excoriated by a um by a uh, a member of the school board i mean we really have we really are living in insane times you when know, a it, guy it, sorry go uh, ahead you know, i was just, i was um, i want you to finish your point but i was i was not, i was not, i was going to offer some support of your point yeah. you know i'm not sure what year the kinks wrote lola Oh, uh, it I must think have been 1971. All right. So, right. So, you know, early 70s, late 60s time. Uh, and, you know, the lyric from the song. And again, I might be getting it right. But, you know, um, uh, girls will be boys. 70. Boys will be girls. Yeah. Uh, it's a so shook mixed up, up muddled up, shook up right. world, except for Lola. Today, today for that song to be edgy, uh, the lyric would have to be changed. Girls will be girls. Yes. And boys will be boys. It's a because we have so confused right and wrong. And again, I, I'm a I'm a one note nanny on this, but it is outrageous that yeah. today, February 16th, 2022, uh, that there are children going to school with masks on. Yes, it is. It is a it is a it is an insanity. It is a cruelty. Well, and but what happened with this guy? So this guy takes his mask off and go ahead. Sorry, he guy takes his mask off to go speak. Now he is, I would say, listen, I've been to school board meetings. He is, let's say, at least a dozen feet away from the nearest sure. board member. Um, and and the the chairman says you need to put your mask on. And and the guy's like, Well, I have an exemption. Um, and and you know, and by the way, you know, when the president speaks, when Governor Pritzker of Illinois speaks, he doesn't wear a mask. So I don't know why. Can I get my time reset? And they go back and forth for a couple of minutes here. And one of the board members gets very angry at the situation. And he's like, no, you need to put your mask on. The chairman of the board is like, is going to let him or the president of the board is like, okay, whatever. Listen, just say what you're going to say. Um, but, but the one school board member who is in no risk whatsoever from getting anything from this guy, he is insistent that the virtue signaling continue, right? He is, he is insistent. And he starts yelling at him, essentially cursing at him, you know, put the effing mask on. I mean, this, this is, this is where we are here uh, at, at a point where, where it, there is, you know, it, it is all about the acquiescence and it's all yeah. about the obedience to the dogma. Go ahead. Well, well, again, I mean, you're right. And we said this earlier, um, science should never be dogma. Yes. And, uh, and, and also, um, I like guys for F's, you know, Dr. Fauci, he effed up uh, the public health establishment effed up. Uh, we have made myriad mistakes. We should be correcting them. We should be fessing up. We should be uh, we should be fixing it. And then we should be uh, looking for forgiveness. Uh, he, here, here's the bottom line when it comes to COVID-19. Yeah. Uh, we should have focused on early treatment. We didn't. Because we did not, there are thousands of people dead who shouldn't be dead. Yeah. Uh, masks, never. There is no data, no uh, metric. Oh, yeah. There's no data. That, I, I know there's well, no data. I mean, the I fact of the matter is, really careful about no, how we say but this. Go ahead. I, 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 like, like, the metric uh, showing the effectiveness of, of, of universal mask mandates is yet to be written. There is yes. no evidence for it. Um, uh, vaccines, again, vaccines are critical. Uh, but we should have told the truth about vaccines from the very beginning and, and keep people informed. I don't understand. Well, I, I, most importantly, uh, just full stop for a second, Jerry. Most importantly, all of this 
should be about the discussion. Sure. All of this, right, as 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 we get more information, things are going to change. Listen, I, I want to shift gears because I, I don't want to sort of get wrapped around the axle about, about COVID because, I, you know, we didn't have enough time. And have we had more time today um, because we've got this Hillary Clinton campaign story going on. Oh, my goodness. We've that, got that, this, that this, as of right now, right, CBS, NBC, CNN. Oh, CNN, did, I, I think, has done two minutes on it. Yeah. I don't understand. This, this is the... Uh, greatest political scandal in my lifetime and the major news outlets have yet to even discuss it. Well, any, anything, you know, anything right of, I don't even know if it's been in the Hill, but let's say anything right of the Hill uh, has been, has been uh, uh, virtually silent uh, about this. And, And at the same time, right. We are, we have the continued attacks on Joe Rogan, uh, this piece, I am going to pull it up uh, uh, to, to share the screen. This piece from Sunday, Jerry, I'm so, I'm sure you saw it. Uh, the, the headline at CNN, uh, Joe Rogan's use of the N-word is another January 6th moment. They wound up actually changing that headline. Um, but this is this is. How- yeah, I know. I, I agree with CNN because uh, January 6th, the January 6th committee, the nonsense about insurrection is a big zero. It's a big non-story. Yeah, so this is not the point they were trying to make. I know that, but I agree. But uh, but I'll turn it around for my benefit. And 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 again, just on this issue, uh, all this this um, this video of Joe Rogan using the N word, it went it went viral. It yep. turns out that a uh, it, this was a political campaign. This was a paid Absolutely, for. 100%. Paid for organized campaign. Now, the irony is, is that uh, someone pointed out that, well, Joe Biden has used the N-word. Yes. And, and then, of course, the CNNs and the Washington Post come out and say, well, you can't take it out of context. Well, with Joe Rogan, every time he used that word, it was to demonstrate how evil and wrong and ugly that word is. And so, therefore, for again, it shows Joe Biden can say the N-word. Uh, Joe Rogan cannot. Yeah, and and more to the point, when Jerry talks about the the attacks on Joe Rogan being a political campaign, it is that is not hyperbole. No, we now understand An organized that there is campaign. A pair, a pair of brothers who have a super PAC that they have been behind almost all of this in terms of pushing pushing this issue. Um, I, I'm not sure. Is Jerry, Jerry has it ever been made clear as to why they are so opposed to Joe Rogan per se? No, they they're not opposed to Joe Rogan. Uh, however, uh, if you if you follow the the uh, those who are fo- if you follow those who are who are keeping an eye on this and Joe Rogan has been pretty good at pointing out this uh, this fact uh, they're doing this. Remember, the midterms are coming up and oh, 2024 yeah, yeah. is coming up. The reason why this uh, uh, this um, political action committee did it was because if they could get 100 million hits saying that Joe Rogan has to go, then uh, who wouldn't hire them? If sure. they could take on and take down Joe Rogan, yeah. well, my goodness, if you're running for president, you want us on your team. So it really is like Aldo the Apache and Inglorious Bastards. They want their scalps. Yeah. And they're going to get their scalps. Hey, before I let you go, have you seen, uh, by the way, if you're not watching uh, Reacher on Amazon, oh, it's great. It. it is It is amazing. It is great. Uh, it's great. So it's great. It's just great. We are now. I don't have any criticism. Just over halfway through it. Um, uh, so we're, we're, you know, it's it's rocketing to a conclusion. My, my only criticism is, is that season two hasn't dropped yet. Yes, I know. We're going to have to wait a while for that. Have you been following this? Um, oh, good Lord. This. Uh, um um the the new movie that's coming out with sandra bullock 
and I think it's Ryan Reynolds. Um, it looks like it, it. It looks like a romancing the stone almost. Uh, is it Ryan Bre- Reynolds or is it um, the guy from the uh, striptease movie? Oh yeah, you're right, Mike. Uh, 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 Ch- uh, uh, Tatum. Yeah, yeah, Channing Tatum. That's exactly. Yes, thank what it you, is. thank you, thank and you. And then Brad you. Pitt is. Hold on, now I got to look this up. <laughs> Andrew, I've, uh, I've seen the trailer, so apparently it's she's a movie star and he wants a part and she gets kidnapped. He thinks it's a joke. It's not a joke. It's the real thing. I don't know. It's called the lost city and Daniel. Uh, uh, what's his name? <laughs> Daniel Radcliffe plays the villain. Yeah. But what I love is the fact that Brad yes. Pitt is uh, Brad Pitt is going to, he, he becomes like the savior of all of this. Um, is, uh, is Rad is Radcliffe getting pigeonholed as a, as a villain? Oh, right. Cause he was in that other movie. The, uh, the one, um, the the one with the illusionists, right? He did the first. He did the second one. Yeah, he he was also the bad guy, wasn't he? The bad guy in oh, we're so bad with movies. Uh, uh, oh, the woman who played Wonder Woman, Gal Gadot. She was in a movie with the guy who does the show in Between Two Ferns. That Gal Fanakis, right? That movie wasn't he the bad guy in that movie I, too? I don't know. I don't know why. I, I, I Actually, don't I have I, no I, idea. So here, here, yeah. here we, we got to get. But it's possible. Guy, we no, guys there was that the movie. There was that movie. Uh, now you see it, right? Yes, Which was yes, the yes, Illusionist yes. movie, and the second one should have been called "Now You've Seen It" or "Now You Now, <laughs> now You See It Again." Well, it's like someone said that they should do, they should do a sequel to that thing you do. That's a great movie. Great movie, but they should do a sequel that's like 20 years later that's like a VH1 documentary about what happened to all the band members Yep. uh, called That Thing We Did. Well, by the way, oh, the guy who, who, uh, Spartacus, the drummer. Yeah. There is a sequel to that movie. What? La La Land. Wait, People, La La Land. Wait, 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 wait. Yes, La La Land you gotta go Google it. Google La La Land and that thing, that thing you do. And because Spartacus turns up uh, as I think her, I don't want to be a spoiler here, but turns out to be her husband, and he's in a jazz band. Yeah, La La Land. Tom Everett Scott on his surprise role. And that yep. thing, yeah, Damon Chazelle on on La La Land and that thing you do. See, I, I will go look now. Now I now I need to go see La La. It's like it's like in in terms of weird uh, uh, sequels. My Blue Heaven, a sequel to Goodfellas. Wait, okay, absolutely. Wait, what? Absolutely. So, so you're saying you're saying that Steve Martin's character is Henry Hill? Yes, I'm not saying it. He he is. Okay. I, mean, I, I understand that there is that he is a mobster who has gone into the world. I'm telling you program. that those who who are involved in the movie business will tell you that My Blue Heaven is a is a unorthodox sequel to uh, to Goodfellas. Well, I kind of wish Ray Liotta had played that character. Not that I don't <laughs> like Steve Martin and not that I don't like Rick Moranis um, and not that I don't like Joan Cusack. But I, I kind of I, now I'm now I'm wondering how uh, how what was it? His name was Todd. How Ray Liotta would have been a, a, a yeah. better Todd. By the way, My Blue Heaven, I think, is another great underrated yeah. movie. It's just fantastic. No, no, it's and it's, it's been it's been on cable quite a bit. Uh, Jerry, uh, yes. what do you got? What do you got going on? Oh my goodness! Well, I'm on WBAL this Saturday and Sunday. Wow. Saturday eleven to two. Sunday for the Jerry Rogers show, and then I'm filling in next week. Uh, I don't know, um, Thursday, Friday, or Wednesday, Thursday, something like that for uh, for Dan Joseph. 
Uh, and, uh, you know, a, a, a buddy of mine, uh, Kevin O'Rourke, a buddy of mine, he and I are going to go see uh, Jordan Peterson uh, next week. Yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. that's good. That's very good. Well, I am not going to CPAC. You know, CPAC's supposed to be next week. Um, we actually, you know, we need to we need to see if we can get uh, match lap on beforehand. I'm not sure that's going to happen. But uh, uh, Jerry, I know you uh, you want to tell people uh, to do what? Oh my goodness! We uh, <laughs> find the truth, plant your feet, stand firm. God bless Have you. Have a great week, everybody. Right. Have fun and uh, and stay safe.